Sunny 16 presents. Welcome back to On Location, the show where we share with you audio blogs created by inspired members of the film photography community. On this week's show, we have Billy Sanford returning to talk to us about his pursuit of the Goldilocks negative and whether or not that is indeed a worthwhile and fruitful endeavour or an ultimately frustrating mission. Stay tuned to the end of the show to hear how you could get involved with Sunny 16 Presents. Hello listeners and welcome to Sunny 16 Presents On Location. I'm Billy Sanford and today I wanted to talk about the Goldilocks Negative. This is a concept I'm borrowing from Simon Forrester from episode 10 of the Large Format Photography Podcast where he and Andrew Bartram were interviewing Richard Pickup about the zone system. Throughout the course of that conversation they covered a lot of the basic fundamentals of black and white photography but specifically how a photographer might leverage the inherent qualities of films and developers to achieve a range of tonality and also to create some consistent and predictable results in the darkroom. Now this idea resonated with me quite a bit. When I first heard the episode, I was actually in the darkroom, uh, probably only my second or third time in there, and was struggling to create some consistent looking prints. I chalked most of this up at the time to my inexperience in the darkroom, which I'm sure did contribute to that scenario. Uh, but also the idea that I was using a mixed bag of negatives to start with. Uh, negatives that came from a lot of different film stocks and cameras and developer combinations and so hoping for consistent results in that scenario in retrospect is a little futile. Now the underlying theme of the conversation was that if a photographer is willing to dedicate themselves to a more streamlined kit, meaning a specific film and developer and camera combination, and also perform some rudimentary film speed testing uh, to know how to accurately meter the scene um, and then develop the film to get that range of tonality uh, over time. They're results will be more consistent and predictable. Of course, a lot of this sort of thing typically happens in the large format world. I'm not shooting large format yet. And uh, one aspect in particular, the, the bit where you just develop one image at a time makes that a little bit easier. Um, but that's not to say that you can't use some of these basic principles as a 35mm or 120 shooter, and so that's what I'm hoping to accomplish through this test. The guest on that show, Richard Pickup, did have such a rudimentary film speed test documented on his blog. I will include a link to that in the show notes for anyone who might want to do a little experimenting of their own or to follow along with my experiment. The phrase Goldilocks negative was brilliant on a couple of different levels, not just because it describes a negative that's just right, 
but also because Goldilocks was not making an objective observation. She didn't stick a thermometer in the porridge. She tasted it to see if the porridge was to her liking. And the same is the case here. We're not using, or I'm not going to be using, densitometers or expensive equipment to determine if I've created a negative that is quote-unquote proper, but I'm going to shoot in different scenarios, develop in different scenarios, and then make some prints at the end. Evaluate those prints and see which ones I personally like, and then use that information going forward. I understand this isn't everyone's uh, goal in photography. Uh, some people like trying all the films, all the cameras, all the developers, and I'm definitely not here to gatekeep or tell anyone they shouldn't do that. By all means, I want everyone to get what they enjoy out of photography and encourage them to do that. So with all that said, let's get started. So I should probably talk a little bit about the basic plan for the test. The general idea is that you make three exposures for a typical scene, something you would normally shoot. Um, in my case, I'm definitely going to be outside and looking for a scene with a range of tones. Um, but once you find your scene, you take three exposures, one at box speed, and one a stop above, and one a stop below and then you develop them separately. One at the recommended development time, one with increased development, and one with reduced development. Of course, you could do this with a single roll of 35 millimeter or 120, as long as you were willing to cut the roll into individual bits and develop them separately. Since I'm testing with 120, I'm just gonna go ahead and make the same exposures on three separate rolls. I'll be using Kodak Tri-X 400, so exposing again one at box speed, one a stop above, and one a stop below. I'll do that on all three rolls for four different scenes, so 12 images on each roll. And then I will develop the three rolls separately, one at the recommended development time, one reduced by 20%, and one increased by 20%. I'll be using Kodak D76 as my developer. It is the developer I learned with and have used most often. Triax is not my most used film, but one version of this experiment had me trying HP5 and Triax and all of their recommended developers, dilution schemes, and agitation methods. And once you account for all the developers and all of the increased and reduced development, it was getting quite unwieldy. So this is just the first step of this journey for me. So as I mentioned, I'll be using Kodak D76 for this experiment. And you may be wondering, why D76? And it's a fair question. Why not ID11 or AC110 or Rodinal or any of the other popular, widely available? developers. So the guidance for the test from the blog post um, recommends using a developer you're familiar with, one that you use often, 
and D76 is that for me. As I mentioned, it's the one that I learned on. It's certainly one of the things we learned during 2020, and let's hope we never have another 2020, but when there are disruptions to the supply chain, some things become harder to find than others. And of course, it's a widely used general purpose developer. If you come across some roll of random black and white film, you can almost certainly find a development time for D76. So to the degree that this is experiment is about you know, finding a long-term optimal film developer combination. Uh, certainly D76 was an obvious starting point for me. I know these are more practical observations than technical ones. I'm, I'm not skilled enough to talk about tonality curves and grain structure and that sort of thing uh, yet at this point. But that is hopefully part of the charm of this uh, test is that I'm coming at it as a beginner would and making beginner observations and going more according to, you know, the end results that I see. I will mention um, the reason for talking about this part first is that another recommendation of the test is to start with fresh chemicals. And as it so happened, it was time for me to mix a new batch of D76 anyway. And I've just done that. On the original podcast, the episode of the LFPP, where Simon and Andrew and Richard were first discussing this, Simon recounted an experience he had with D76, where he mixed it prior to right when he was planning on developing. And... If you're not familiar with D76, it comes as a powder and you mix it with hot water and not an ideal temperature to do immediate developing at. And so I think that caused him a few problems during the developing session he recounted on that show. I went ahead and mixed my batch and I store my chemicals. Luckily, I'm lucky to have a basement in my home and that is where my main workspace is and where I store my chemicals and the basement stays cool most of the time in fact within a degree or two of the temperature you want to be at when you're developing so I will let my freshly mixed batch of D76 sit down here for a day or two to get acclimated to the temperature and then once I shoot my test rolls for the experiment, I should be good to go for developing. And like I said, I may ultimately end up on a, another developer on down the line. But again, it just seemed like D76 made an obvious first choice starting point for me. So the next big piece of the puzzle is the film choice and this was definitely a little bit harder to decide than the developer. I did know that I wanted to do 120 just to limit the number of shots I would have to take to make that part of it easier so that eliminates a few choices. 400 speed film seemed pretty 
obvious to me because that is where my kind of comfort zone is uh, in general. I have shot probably more HP5 than any other emulsion, uh, but that has mostly been in 35 millimeter. To be honest, medium format is sort of new to me still in general, so I don't I wouldn't say that I, there's any emulsion I have leaned heavily towards uh, in 120. So 400 speed films, again, just from a practical standpoint, it seemed like Ilford and Kodak were strong candidates from an availability perspective. So then you have Tri-X and HP5 on the classic grain side and T-Max and Delta on the T-grain side. And I'll admit that I have been drawn to the T-grain look from time to time. Certainly those sharp, well-defined images you can get look very nice uh, at times. And then other times you like that classic grain look. So I can't say that I have a, a really good reason to lean one way or the other on that particular aspect of it although I will say that to the degree that this test is ultimately about producing a good print in general it seems to me like I have gotten better prints out of the classic grain films than the tea grain films and I don't know if that has to do with my larger or some other part of the process that maybe I'm doing that is you know more optimized to support a classic grain approach but at any rate that's sort of how I landed on Tri-X the other thing that I will say is that I don't necessarily believe that this is a universal truth but there's some part of me that wants to intuitively feel like using a film and developer from the same manufacturer will somehow give you a little extra shot of special sauce in creating an optimal result. Um, again, I don't necessarily believe that to be true, but since I'm going through the steps to conduct a test anyway, it seems like the perfect time to try out that theory. The one last note I'll say about 400, and I'll speak more in depth about this and talking about the camera was that it did give me a little bit of pause given that I intend to shoot outside and some at 200 and some at 800 and 400 speed film is very flexible that's why I like it but at the same time it may introduce some challenges shooting out in the daylight under the rest of the parameters of the test but we'll cover that next in talking about the camera. So deciding on 120 did make the camera choice really easy for me. Uh, that meant I would be using a Hasselblad 503CX with the normal 80mm 2.8 lens sort of my selection, my option available at, uh, for this test. Of course, 
Hasselblads have the shutter in the lens. So another kind of related aspect to that is that the shutter speeds available are one second to one five hundredth of a second and that introduces the challenge that I mentioned in the previous segment about the lighting conditions. So again trying to limit the number of variables that are changing throughout uh, my thought process had been to either stick with one aperture or one shutter speed and just change the other when metering for the different speeds if you know I'm shooting at 200 400 and 800 and I'm keeping the aperture the same let's say f8 then you know bright sunlit day that's probably not going to work at the 800 end of the spectrum um, and, the, and the same in a low light situation so those are factors of me choosing a 400 speed film you know if, if I had gone with FP4 at 125 uh, might have simplified that piece of it just a little bit but what I think I can do is shoot either you know early ish in the morning or later in the afternoon um, when the light is not quite so harsh and perhaps I can get that flexibility that I'm looking for in terms of being able to use uh, one aperture and just change the shutter speed. Uh, given that shutters tend to be the wonkier part of the equation, uh, maybe it would have been better to stick with one shutter speed and change the aperture. But again, to the degree that, you know, my final test is going to be looking at some prints, I leaned towards wanting to preserve the same depth of field in each of the images. So that was really the only factor that went into kind of narrowing it down to that choice. The advantage, again, to 120 and the Hasselblad is that the 120 gives you the limited number of shots that you have to accommodate but also in this case since I'm shooting three rolls and I happen to have three film backs I, that makes the process a lot easier just loading the film into the different backs and switching them out when I want to shoot the the other rolls uh, the, the three rolls should ultimately be identical uh, the difference is going to come in how I develop them with one being in for normal recommended development time uh, and in minus one which will be uh, reduced development by 20% and then an in plus one for increased development by 20%. So having the three film backs like I said uh, should make this experiment a little bit easier and medium format gives me fewer shots to have to create to run the test. So again, those were kind of my thought process in choosing the camera. And so we find ourselves on image making day. I ended up going down to the historic center of downtown Birmingham arrived for around 8 o'clock in the morning. It was overcast over the course of the hour that I was there. The sun started coming out and, and as I feared, uh, some of the readings were starting to get a little hot at the 800 end of the 
of the metering spectrum, but I found that as long as I was staying on the shady side of the street, I was able to find four scenes I think that sort of represent a typical subject matter for me and also had a range of tones to them. And, you know, circling back to the original discussion, it's not that I would normally be out in conditions like I was in this morning shooting at 800 speed. Uh, it's not that I want to find out what 800 looks like. It's that, you know, across these four scenes at, at the end of the test, I'll have, you know, should have 36 unique images, uh, nine unique images of each of the four scenes representing box speed, uh, stop slower and a stop faster, normal development, uh, increased development and reduced development. So I should have variations of each scene, all of the, all of the variations of those uh, film and developer combinations and hopefully that information you know will inform my photography the next time I'm down there with a 400 you know with with this camera and this meter and this film and using this developer I will know better how to appropriately rate the film and expose it and then develop it after the fact I mean, going back to the larger discussion of the zone system, which this this is not intended to resolve fully, I would have, you know, a spot meter with me. I was just taking average readings today, but if I had a spot meter and had measured my shadows and my highlights and knew roughly how many stops were in between them, then I would know, you know, with the exposures I made, how to meter for my shadows and then knowing where my highlights were that through the development process I could extend it or reduce it to you know accentuate those highlights and and make them brighter or pull them back in um, if needed to avoid them being blown out you know that's the beauty or the the thought process behind this testing is is to learn that about these combinations so that you can make informed decisions in the future and so hopefully you know like i said i i captured four good representative typical scenes for me i have the three roles that should be identical and so the next step will be to break out that D76 and do some recommended time developing and some developing decreased by 20% and then another round increased by 20%. And so let's see how that turns out. So the three rolls have been developed and I left them overnight to dry and just first impressions looking at them. Of course it stands out the difference that uh, development time makes uh, to the negatives. Of course there were 
exposure differences on the rolls, but those, you know, just don't jump out at you as much just looking at the negatives uh, so much that the difference the development time makes. And I mean, that makes logical sense, right? Spending more or less time in the developer would result in a different looking negative. And certainly I've heard that phrase, expose for the shadows and develop for the highlights before. And I suppose what I thought that meant previously was just um, error on the side of your highlights in order to create a more pleasing looking picture. And maybe it does mean that on some level, but I didn't previously, before listening to that episode of the LFPP, understand this um, superpower uh, that exists in the relationship between the film and the developer in that, you know, your shadows develop more quickly, the highlights take more time, and so you can leverage that characteristic to your advantage when you're creating your images and and have that as a tool in your toolkit uh, for making images that you can, by altering your development time, sort of separate your shadows and highlights or bring them closer together or, you know, as I mentioned before, it could sort of accentuate those highlights or blow them out just by altering your development time. And, you know, experience being the great teacher that has, you know, added value, certainly, I think, in in doing this test rather than just hearing people talk about it. And again, you know, that's not to say, you know, that this is um, a thing that everyone should do. You know, it's definitely worth noting that looking at the negatives that had the normal recommended development time all all look good and um you know so that is where we have confidence and and obviously that's probably why they are the recommended exposure and development times because you can have that confidence that you're going to get some usable images um but at the same time you know Like I said, good to know that you can learn the effect that development time has on the on the negative that you produce and that you can use that to your advantage. So, you know, I I had not intended on talking much about scanning and and I still don't intend to. I will say, you know, since uh, scanning usually follows development for me at least, I know that some people use that as sort of a digital light box to evaluate their negatives. And I'll say that I scan all of my negatives, uh, even the really, really bad ones. Um, But at the same time, you know, scanners do such a good job. They they cover a multitude of sins in my experience. And sort of like a meter, they work to produce some sort of happy medium um, in your negatives to the degree that, you know, recently I made three exposures of a similar image 
one with no filter, one with a yellow filter, and one with a red filter. And after I scanned those, the three looked pretty much the same, which is not, you know, the expected result. And probably some of that has to do with me not knowing enough about the digital workflow side of things. And so looking at these negatives here where it was the same film and the same camera, the thing that changed was the development time really kind of brings the lesson home. And so, you know, the last thing to do here is to make some contact prints and, and maybe print a couple of images if, if any of them show any promise just to really tangibly see the effects that that difference has made you know I won't leave everyone hanging I will tell you you know at the end of all of this which kind of I personally liked I don't expect to add much to the historical conversation about using Tri-X with D76 I don't think I'll have anything of value to add to that conversation you know the point of all of this was to find a personal combination uh, for me and my equipment and my processes to see what jumps out at me as being you know a combination that I like so that again I can take that knowledge forward as I'm creating images in the future and make more informed decisions so let's make a few contact sheets and then possibly a couple of prints and then we'll wrap all of this up. So after looking over the various images and all the variations, I think the last scene that I ended up shooting was my favorite and completely just random timing. As I was preparing for that last shot, trying to figure out what I wanted to shoot, a train had come through and stopped on the tracks close by to where I was. And, you know, rusty old train cars, and as it so happened, part of the train was under a bridge and part of the train was exposed, but on the shady side, there was you know, in that area, gravel has fallen off the tracks and was spread around the pavement I was standing on and the wall where the elevated tracks run along is, is you know, painted these bright, vibrant colors. And so it was a scene that I would normally shoot anyway, but of the scenes I shot yesterday, uh, that one ended up being my favorite. So I made test prints of, of all of the various exposure and development combinations and I think you know ultimately my favorite of that bunch was the one where the Triax had been metered at 800 but had the normal development so that's the the answer for for what it's worth I mean I don't it, you know the goal is not for that information to be helpful to any of you but rather you know, the way, the, the process that I went through to come to that conclusion um, is information I can take forward. You know, maybe when I'm 
you know, maybe if I stick with Tri-X and continue to use D76 and normal development, then I will, you know, try again metering at 500 or 640. Just, you know, metering a, a little bit higher than box speed is maybe that's where the sweet spot is for me. For what it's worth, you know, I think for my personal taste when I print something and then show it to my wife to to get some you know just a different perspective on it she tends to think that I print things a little darker than than she would like to see them so if it's something I you know that she wants a print of I will end up making a little bit lighter version of it but for my own personal taste I tend to go a little bit darker I guess um, as I, you know, as tying all of this back to that original episode of the LFPP, you know, if this were the zone system in full effect, uh, the underside of the bridge that the train is under has the support beams holding the bridge up. You can't really see it in the picture I have shared of this on Instagram, but there's just the faintest hint of details in those support beams where the sun was bouncing off the train and, and reflecting back up onto the beams. I suppose if this had been, you know, uh, again, if I were a master practitioner of the zone system, that might have been my, my zone three and, you know, just the composition of the photo, it's, it's right next to this little triangle of, of, of sky, which would have you know that's it's the brightest part of the picture you know there's some you can see underneath the train to the other side uh, some of the detailed trees and skylight on the other side and there's some shadow underneath the train uh, just the scene itself you know lended itself I, th I thought to a lot of tonality uh, for sure so that's the reason I picked that one I think everything that we've talked about again sort of lends itself more handily I think to large format photographers because they can develop one image at a time versus those of us shooting a roll of film it it seems unlikely that every image on your on your roll is gonna want to have the same treatment in terms of development but you know it at least it's information that you can take and improve upon <laughs> on down the line which which was the goal of all of this I mean none of this is new information and and certainly for those of you out there who are more experienced than I am you know you probably knew all of this already so really you know aside from documenting all of this for my own sake uh, you know just kind of tracking my own journey uh, through ph photography I thought you know perhaps it might be helpful if uh, there is anyone out there who has gotten to a certain point and are not sure on which way to go you know the answer of course is always practice you improve in photography through practice you improve in darkroom printing through practice but you know to the to the degree that we can apply some sort of methodology um, 
to our practicing and, and where we want to focus our energies. I think, you know, conducting, again, a basic film speed test and then trying out the varieties of development processing is, is a good approach, in my opinion. And I think, you know, I've learned a lot even before I clicked the shutter, just all of the questions I had to ask myself in terms of which film and developer I wanted to use, what types of scenes I wanted to shoot, and then, you know, on the tail end of this process, looking at the different prints and, and figuring out which ones I liked or, or which one I liked the best, ultimately. You know, it, it's, it's only, I think, through that sort of self-evaluation, at least for me, and again, I'm not telling anyone else they have to do this, um, but for me, I mean, that's the way in my mind that I'm ultimately going to grow and get better at doing this, which is, which is a goal for me. So that sort of wraps it up. <laughs> Thank you again very much to Richard and Simon and Andrew for, for sharing their thoughts and experiences as it applies to all of this. It was really helpful to me. Again, you know, the right podcast at the right time. It, it spoke to everything that I was doing in the moment I was listening to it. So no doubt it resonated with me quite a bit for that reason and, and made me, you know, want to go through this and also share it with others so that they can do their own investigations into it. I will have shared links again for the show notes for anyone who would like to do a deeper dive. Certainly those links will probably be more valuable than this recording. But, you know, I I think like a lot of things in life, the more you put into something, the more you are likely to get out of it. So I would encourage anyone who is interested to, to give it a shot and, and see what you find and definitely uh, share your experiences with the community as well. One final thought on the other side of all of this, I will say that all of the prints were fine especially for someone of my skill level. You know, I, these aren't fine prints. These were quick prints. I, I did use, it was all Ilford, multi-grade developer, stop bath, and rapid fix. Um, all of the test prints were on 8x10 glossy. They all came out of the same box of paper. They were all done at eight seconds on, you know, using a number two filter on a Bessler Dicro 67S enlarger with a F8 uh, aperture on the enlarging lens uh, from Nikon. So those are all the, the, the gear facts for, for people that like to know that sort of thing. None of these are fine prints. I'm certainly not a master darkroom printer, you know, to the degree that I would hang up any of these pictures. You know, there's there's not a huge amount of difference between them, but to the degree that looking at all of the elements, all of the tones, you know, just everything, the, the hint of detail under the bridge, <laughs> 
the the triax metered at 800 but normal development was was my preferred choice i should also say for the lovely music that has been playing in the background throughout i got from lovely friend of the community mike gutterman mikegutterman.bandcamp.com i would certainly encourage everyone who is you know contemplating making their own production to seek out his background music which is which is really nice and or even if you're not planning a project just go download it just to have some nice background music for your scanning or developing so that's it i hope this might have been useful to someone and 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 appreciate you listening and as always interested in hearing what you all are up to so um please do consider sharing your experiences with the community as well and of course thank you uh very much to the team over at sunny 16 for providing this outlet for us to share our experiences hope everyone is well and take care bye huge thank you to Billy for that. It's a sadly undeniable fact that whilst flying by the seat of your pants and experimentation is a really fun way to go about a hobby, unfortunately if you want to get good results reliably, especially from darkroom printing, then a slightly more pragmatic, consistent uh, and thought out approach is best. If you would like to get involved with Sunny16 Presents, then please drop us a line with your idea at sunny16presents at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, and we're keen to share as many voices as possible on this channel. Until next time, thanks for listening, everybody, and goodbye. Goodbye.